0: If you have your Bibles, turn me to Psalms 34, verse 8. Psalms 34, verse 8. i with with uh, Brother Eddie. Boy, that pollen is cranking up heavy, isn't it? Don't wash your vehicle. It won't take about 30 minutes. It'd be dirty again, right? Years ago, when I was uh, still working in the woods, logging, uh, I'll never forget this time of year, man. You take, and of course, if you was in a pine thicket or First thinning on a pine plantation or whatever, man. I'm telling you, it wasn't hard to guess where the shearer was at because you just see clouds of dust hitting the ground. It's pollen everywhere, you know. It's crazy, but I bet you there's something there. We know the benefit it has to nature, but it's got. I just don't know what it is. There's got to be some sort of benefit for us. God's gonna tell us when we get to heaven. It was a nuisance. It was aggravating, but it may have cured us of something we didn't know about, right? Maybe it's a cure to COVID. Maybe reckon. I don't know. But anyway, Psalms 34 verse 8 this morning. The title of the message this morning is Tasting is Believing. Now I want to throw a disclaimer out this morning. If you did not have breakfast this morning and you're, all, you're hungry right now, this is going to be a little uncomfortable for you. I'm going to be using food a lot this morning as illustration and analogy to tie in the point of what the Lord has as far as this morning. So I apologize, but you just got to blame it on him. He's the one that gave me the message and told me to preach it. Amen psalms 34 verse 8 the scripture says this oh taste and see that the lord is good how blessed is the man who takes refuge in him i want to read it one more time oh taste and see that the lord is good how blessed is the man who takes refuge in him what a powerful truth this morning father we come to you we thank you so much for being able to gather in your house today lord god i thank you lord that you've given us one another to be able to worship together, to encourage one another, to laugh together. God, even at times to, to mourn together and cry together. And God, but our favorite thing to do together is to worship you, to sing praises to you. And Lord God, to send under the preaching of your word together and worship together. We thank you for that. God, thank you for those that are faithful to be here today. Be with those that were unable, Lord. And God, we do ask that you just put a special anointing on your message today. And Lord God, once again, we rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. Plead the shed blood of Christ over this place, Lord, asking Holy Spirit of God to have His perfect will performed here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So today as we see this passage, we think about the title, Tasting is Believing. There's four different truths I want us to look at today. There's really four different invitations that we're going to address today. Number one, the first invitation today I want you to see is first, the personal invitation to taste that the Lord is good, Amen to taste that the Lord is good he says oh taste and see that the Lord is good now we know today that you and I can relate when it comes to knowing what it means to taste something Uh, our earliest ages of life we can remember different taste and developing that and and fall in love with food can I get amen for me I fell in love with desserts that's one of my favorite on top of the list right I love all the good foods but I love dessert uh, just here about three years ago sometime right before COVID I got to go to something called the taste of the Twin Cities anybody ever been to that before I never knew it existed, but when I became bivocational again, many of y'all know this, uh, my boss owns several different restaurants, and at that time, uh, the shopping center he owns over off Bell Lane, he had the counterculture there. So we were trying to promote the counterculture and everything else, and the little manager that was working for me there said, look, I've signed us up for this, and it's going to be good exposure everything else. Well, I didn't know what it was. We showed up, and what Taste of the Twin City is, is you go around to... I don't know, dozens, maybe 50, 60, I don't know, of different restaurants that were on the scene, and they give you a little taste of what they prepare at the restaurant. And so you go through, of course you paid to get in, but you go through to every table, and you taste what that restaurant cooks. In other words, they were saying this, we can advertise what we have for sale, we can give you a picture on a billboard of my Whopper or whatever it might be, but you really need to personally taste it, amen? And isn't it the same way for you and I when it comes to sharing Christ with people? I can tell you all day how awesome the Lord is, how good He is. And I'm telling the truth, amen? And many of y'all can testify, but the reason you can testify that what I'm saying is true is because you personally have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, amen? And what an invitation that God gives to all the world that we can really taste and see that He is good, that we can personally experience like... When you, as I've used this illustration, have seen some sort of food that was appetizing and man, maybe your mouth watered or somebody told you about a certain place uh, that you were wanting to go to. But until you went and personally partook of it and tasted that food, you really didn't experience amen? And that's what the Lord is inviting each one to, that we could taste and see that He is truly good. Uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 2, I think it is, talks about tasting the goodness of the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 3, if you go read it, Ezekiel is actually instructed to take the scroll, which is referenced to the Word of God then, and eat it. And he said it was sweet like a honeycomb. Sweet like a honeycomb. And so today as we think about this personal invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good, I believe we need to address first where you and I spiritually have gotten to the place where I believe we have really gotten poor spiritual eating habits. Amen? Uh, We know that we've got poor eating habits. I just admitted to you, my favorite food is dessert. That's not very good. Amen? We've got poor eating habits physically, but I believe we do also spiritually, don't we? And so this morning, I want us to think about four different ways that you and I have poor spiritual eating habits. Number one... We have our picky eaters, don't we? We have our picky eaters spiritually. Now, I've got a young man with me today. I'm not going to call Garrett's name. I don't want to embarrass him. But my oldest son is with me this morning. His name's Garrett, and he's a picky eater. I'm not going to embarrass him. I'm not going to call him out. But he's a picky eater. My brother is the same way. But, man, there's a lot of stuff he just don't eat. His whole life. Man, and, and listen, I know some of you moms and dads out there. Well, he had fixed what I ate or he wouldn't eat it all. Well, he wouldn't eat it all. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I don't want to get too too gross here, but and you force him to eat it, you'd pay for it. I'm talking about he wasn't eating it. it was, he's picky, very picky. But you know what? We've got spiritual people the same way, don't we? Picky. We just want what we want. In fact, the Bible says in the latter days, which I believe we've got to be in without a doubt, it says that they will uh, acquire, they will desire and pick teach- teachers and preachers from themselves that will appease or, or, or uh, reach for their itching ears. You know what the scripture says? Picky eaters. There's a lot of folks out there today on television that call themselves preachers and evangelists that all they're doing is just saying a bunch of good stuff and, and telling a bunch of stories and, and often just maybe a joke or two but never preaching the word of God because they know their audience are picky eaters. They just want to hear the good stuff. Tell me Jesus loves me. Tell me I'm good. Tell me this is my best life now. Tell me that I'm going to discover the champion in me, 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 me right? Picky eaters. Don't give me the hard stuff, Brother Greg. Don't give me the stuff that's going to address the sin and flesh in my life. Just give me the good stuff. Tell me Jesus loves me. We have picky eaters, don't we? But not only picky eaters, but I believe in the spiritual sense that we also have those that suffer from spiritual bulimia. Now listen, I'm about to use some illustrations about some very real, very scary, very serious sicknesses. And I want you to understand, as I expand on this, I'm not making fun of these diseases at all, or these sicknesses, okay? And bulimia being one of them. They're very serious. I've watched people suffer from these different things, but I believe that we very seriously are spiritually suffering from these same eating disorders spiritually, amen? And so we have those that suffer from spiritual bulimia. In other words, what they eat, they later on go and reject it, Right? This is a very serious eating disorder, sickness. I believe it's from the pit of hell. It's from Satan where people will literally go, they will eat, and then later on go right back and they will truly make themselves throw it back up. But listen, is that not a spiritual application for where we are often spiritually? Of how we will go and where we receive a word of God. I've been in revival all week. And man, I've watched people, even this week, I had one guy that I dealt with on more than one occasion this week where I was sharing a truth with him. And man, he would seemingly almost receive it. And then just hours later, maybe the next day, it's just like, man, he just spit it out. In other words, just rejecting it. Isn't that so often where we see today, the day and age we're living in, where the Word of God will go forth. If you finally find someone who will be willing to share the Word of God, the unadulterated Word of God, folks will seemingly receive it, but they just spit it right back out. But not only we see those that suffer from spiritual bulimia, but also those that suffer from spiritual anorexia. Anorexia, Am I saying that right? We know this too is a very serious, just mind-boggling disease and sickness, where people were literally be so blinded into thinking that they're often over, they think they're overweight, they think they don't need to eat, they think they shouldn't eat, and they will literally not eat. And I know you've seen pictures and people who suffered with this where they will, I'm talking about, dry up, and many, countless, hundreds and thousands now since this disease has been titled, if you will, have died from not eating. And really, the whole time thinking that they shouldn't eat because they're so overweight and gross and just all these lies the devil's told them. And they refuse to eat and they die physically, many of them. Many spend days and weeks in the hospital being treated for this disease. And can I tell you again, spiritually we have this disease rampant in our churches, don't we? people who refuse to eat and feast on the word of God and truly taste and see how good God is. Refuse to eat. We think we don't need it. We go on our past experiences. Well man, when I first got saved, I read the Bible front to cover. Well, that's awesome. Well, don't you think you ought to do it again? Amen. Don't you think we ought to do it daily? Don't you think it's something that we should spend more time in? And so those that suffer with spiritual anorexia. Fourth of all, I believe we also have those that spiritually glut, too. Well, no, I'm not going to go preaching on gluttony, but we know what gluttony is, don't we? Just eating to be eaten. Maybe not getting a whole lot of nutrition or anything else, but, man, we're just eating and overeating. And, man, have you ever seen anybody, the best picture of gluttony I've ever seen? You ever seen those hot dog eating contests? Anybody ever seen those? I'm like, what in the world? Good night. And I'm talking about, it's just, it's gross watching them, isn't it? They got a hot dog over here they're chewing on and one over here. And man, it looks terrible. You know they're not getting any nutrition value. It's not healthy for them. Well, man, I'm not telling you not to consume more and more of God's Word, but I am telling you to to get to the place where you take it in bite-sized portions. Amen? And you let it. Do what God wants it to do. And you meditate on it. And you get what God wants you to get out. Don't just read through it. Just, just, I don't want to do what he said, man. I'm just supposed to read God's word. And you just go through it, go through it, go through it. And not get the value of it. And really enjoy the experience of it. Amen? Have you ever sat down, mom, dad, watched a young man? It's usually all happens early, uh, for young men most of the time. They sit down at the young age. You fix them some food and some, water, you tell, you'll say, Man, you just scarf that down. They eat it like crazy, right? What do we tell them often? Slow down, enjoy it. Well, man, that's what I'm saying at this point here. Eat as much as you can handle God's Word, but slow down, enjoy it, meditate on it, get the value at it, the nutritious, spiritual, nutritious value out of the Word of God. Amen? So we've listed four different ways that I believe we can no doubt see clearly in the church of God, whereas we think about tasting and seeing the Lord is good. When well, we have these unhealthy eating habits. Now let's talk about five. We know is that the five basic food groups? Is that right? Is it five or four? Somebody help me. Been out of school a long time. Y'all don't remember either, do you? Some of you have been out of school longer than me. Is it five? Am I right? Well, we're going to talk about five basic food groups and to have a healthy diet when it comes to God's word. Amen? Are you still with me? All right. Number one, one of our best and my, one of my favorite ways to spiritually feed myself is what we're doing right here. Well, I call corporate worship. Corporate worship. Listen to what verse 3 says right here. Same chapter, chapter 34. Verse 3 says, O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name, what's it say? Together. Man, is this not a beautiful thing to be able to come together? Some of y'all, many of y'all were in Sunday school class this morning, um, on Wednesday night, when I'm not preaching, uh, I go to, to my church and I get to sit with one of my pastors and I get to sit in a pew and I get to sit under someone else preaching. And I get to be fed by the Lord's Word. Corporate worship, it's so important, isn't it? Man, I love it. Uh, man, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 warns us and tells us to not forsake this assembling of the brethren. You think that they took COVID, they tried to use that as an opportunity, didn't they? Man, I was listening to it last night, I think it was Chuck Swindoll uh, shared a statistic on after COVID. Uh, I can't remember the percentage, but it was horrible the percentage of how many people fell out of church and have not come back. I want to tell you, man, I'm thankful for this church right here in this little rural area. Man, you guys, let's not get too comfortable. Amen, we got room to grow always. But man, you guys have been faithful and I thank you for that. I praise you for that and, and God will honor that as you do it in His will and with the right motive. But, man, corporate worship is one of those real important basic areas where we get fed spiritually. Man, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Fires of Revival. There's a place called Milldale Baptist Church in Zachary, Louisiana, two times a year, typically early March. And then in September, we have a Fires of Revival conference but all it is is nothing but corporate worship. So we get there at 10 a.m. typically, and we'll have two preachers and two worship service, we go eat together, we have a little bit of break, come back at like 5, and then we come back that night and there's two more preachers and two worship. And can I tell you, that's some of my favorite times I've ever had on earth, because it's always some awesome preaching. But it's corporate worship, and there's men and women of God gathered together, worshiping. So corporate worship is the first thing I want us to think about when it comes to this basic food group feeding spiritually second of all not just corporate worship the preaching and the singing but Bible study I mentioned this I got ahead of myself a while ago but many of y'all were in Sunday school this morning and many of y'all were sitting there as some man or woman of God was able to take God's Word and teach it and there's often in Sunday school groups there's talk back we discuss things we share ideas we apply it to God's Word We take and run it through God's Word and everything else, and we learn from one another in that small group setting. Once again, I'll never forget the Sunday morning when I was about three months old in the Lord. I showed up at New Chapel Hill Baptist Church, not far from here, and I'll never forget walking into Werner Aswell's church. My buddy, little buddy on the back pew, while I go, I mentioned to him, he's at Calhoun Middle School. Werner Aswell was the principal at that school, used to be the guidance counselor there. And man, he was one of my first mentors. We stepped in that Sunday school class, and little did I know that that class was going to transform my life, that God was going to use it in a, a profound way. That, man, things were going to take place, the teaching of God's Word, fellowship with other believers. Man, things would happen in that little small group Bible study. Brother Eddie mentioned a while ago, don't forget what? Wednesday night service, Wednesday night prayer meeting. I cannot tell you how important it is that we plug into every small group Bible study. We call them life groups now, I know at times, and different things like that. But I'm telling you, I love my call as an evangelist. But I hate often, I'm in a vehicle during Sunday school driving to a location or whatever, and and not often on Sunday morning in a small group and stuff like that. Man, I miss those moments. Uh, And so, man, make sure you're feeding on the Word of God in small group Bible study. But not only that, third of all this morning, I want to challenge you with this one. This is very important. In fact, this is what... We abuse the corporate worship often and neglect it. We often abuse the small group Bible studies and neglect it. But this is what we neglect most of the time, and that's personal Bible study. Personal Bible study. I mentioned this briefly a while ago in the the application of the spiritual anorexia. But man, we have got to, if we're going to have a healthy diet as believers and as children of God, we've got to make certain we're spending time in personal Bible study. We've got to personally feed ourselves, amen? Amen. If all you get is what I give you on Sunday morning when I'm here or some other preacher, you are going to spiritually starve to death. You are not going to be who God wants you to be. You've got to feed yourself. Man, I love every time I come in here, it's a reminder. I see those Our Daily Breads back there. Can I tell you, Our Daily Bread is a really awesome, healthy way to personally feed yourself. Man, they've got great illustrations. There's going to be a story. They've got a reading plan. You can read through the Bible in a year. But there's always something awesome. Those writers are anointed by God. There's a great place. And your churches are providing that resource for you to be able to grab on the way out and use that. And here's what I like, too. I never knew this until I got to All's Chapel But whenever I started coming maybe a year ago. They've got some good for us old guys that can't hardly see the words in the Bible. Amen. They're bigger. I just graduated. I got reading glasses in my truck. and I just i just proudly. I don't get them out every time. I've only done it one time. That was in Bonita Road a few nights ago when I was preaching. I pulled it out. Hadn't done it since. I don't know why. I'm just stubborn. Don't tell my wife I admitted to that, but amen. So personal Bible study. Often it's neglected. If we're going to be healthy spiritually, we've got to feed ourselves in personal Bible study so we can taste and see how good the Lord is. Fourth of all, not only personal Bible study, but we've got to let the Holy Spirit feed us. John 14, verse 26 tells us... I want to turn there. I don't want to mess this up. It talks about the Helper, the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Jesus says right here. He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. There's an important role that we would listen to the Holy Spirit... Be in corporate worship. Be in the small group Bible study. And yes, feed yourself personally, but let the Holy Spirit teach you. Remember a while ago the illustration of that spiritual gluttony? Slow down. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what He's trying to tell us through the pages of God's Word. Listen to what He's trying to tell us when we're driving down the road and bringing back to remembrance the Word that we read or was preached to or taught in Sunday school. Let Him do that, that we might really taste how good the Lord is and be able to grow and have that healthy spiritual diet amen and then last of all when we talk about having this healthy spiritual diet the fifth of the five groups I've added in here is this have an active accountability partner have an active accountability partner another area that's been so important in my life and I'm telling you that's helped to tremendously shape and mold me into who I am right now and who I'm hopefully becoming an accountability partner a man of God and even possibly a woman of God that loves Jesus and cares about me, that is willing to at times may even say things that I don't want to hear, but if it's from God's word and it's the truth, I need to hear in order to be who God's created me to be. Somebody that can sharpen me. I love, I think it's Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. I'll have to look that up in just a moment, but it says this, As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another man we desperately need one another you want to know why satan does all he can to divide the church and separate us and and cause us to think we don't need each other or we don't love each other because he knows that when men and women come together under the anointing of god's word and the holy spirit leading us and we apply that to one another and sharpen one another and hold one another accountable and encourage one another and build one another up and pray for one another and and serve and do life together with one another he knows that he is powerless against that power because that's Jesus, amen? And so the basic five fruit groups for a Christian, corporate worship, small group Bible study, personal Bible study, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak, listening to him, and teach and bring to remembrance, and then, of course, spiritual accountability, amen? Second of all, not only we see the invitation to taste, but I love this, we see the invitation to be satisfied, to be satisfied he says oh taste to see that the Lord is good how blessed is the man who takes refuge in him I want to tell you today I'm thankful that I'm a born-again believer that I'm not caught up in some dead religion that can't bring satisfaction I'm thankful today that when I get into God's Word and I let him get more into me that it's satisfying that i am never left empty and I'm telling you right now, all those folks out there that are following Islam or, or, or Buddhism or Hinduism or any other religion or even some help, self-help, uh, works-based religion, whatever it is, every last one of them, I guarantee you, promise you this, are left empty at the end of the day. They're never satisfied because only Jesus can satisfy. Now listen, there's a lot of times I go into a restaurant and I do this often. Maybe with a group of people, or my wife would be sitting there next to me, and we'd discuss, You know, hey, what are you getting? I'm gonna, I think I'm going to get this. And they're like, well, I'm getting this. And it never fails as I sit at the table, and I look across the table, whether it's at a restaurant or somewhere, I sit there. You know what I always do? I'm like, gosh, I wish I'd got that now. Anybody ever do that? Not with Jesus. Amen. He is satisfied. Amen. I never sit across from a lost person or someone caught up in some other religion, and I'm like... Ah man, I wish I'd been a, I wish I'd been a Buddhist. Never happens, amen. I'm very satisfied in Jesus, amen. Question is, is, he satisfied satisfied with me, amen. That's another sermon. But I never do it. I never sit there and be like, man, I wish I was in Islam. I wish I could just go blow myself up and, and kill a bunch of no, nope, not even a thought, because I am satisfied that I've got the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords reigning in my life, amen. I am satisfied. Listen to this. I want to share just a few scriptures with you this morning uh, that apply to this. Man, there's so much, but I just picked out two. Listen, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. This is the Beatitudes. Listen to what's said right here. Remember this personal invitation to be satisfied. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 6. Jesus, again, He says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, I've got New American Standard, but it says, for they shall be satisfied. Now, listen to this. John chapter six, verse thirty five. John six, thirty five. I marked it so it'd be quicker, but I just didn't do a very good job of it. John chapter six, verse thirty five. Notice what scripture says again. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. In other words, be satisfied. Amen? So if you're here today and you're hungry or you're thirsting, you feel empty, you're either not a child of God or you're like me often. You're a child of God who is not feasting on the Word of God. Feeding and tasting and seeing that the Lord is good and not being satisfied, amen? Because I promise you, listen again, not only do we have the example for those that are lost, that are caught up in dead religions, that are empty and hopeless, but if you're a child of God here today and you're seeking to let something else or someone else satisfy you, you're going to be unsatisfied. Only Jesus can satisfy, amen? Is that not the gospel truth today? All of us most likely, if you're a child of God, you've tried it. You went back to something else in your old life. Or you went to someone else or something else to try to make you happy or bring fulfillment or purpose. And what happens every time, sometimes faster than others, you end up just empty, unsatisfied, lacking in satisfaction. Amen? But when you go to Jesus, you have satisfaction. So we see first the invitation to taste, we see second the invitation to be satisfied, and then third of all we see the invitation to see. Now I'm stretching this right here, it's not, a, it's not really expository in this passage, but it's true. He says, "Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now we know that he's not saying in this particular passage, see with your eyes, but I do want to bring this point out that I do believe this today, that if you are walking with the Lord and you are satisfying yourself in Him, and you've got the joy of the Lord in your life, you will be able to see how good He is too. Amen? We just sang a while ago. What a perfect timing. Brother Eddie, I believe, or whoever under the Lord's leading, picked out the song service today. Count your many blessings and see what the Lord has done. Amen? If you are feeding yourself on the Word of God, and you're taking this great invitation to truly... Taste and see, man, you're going to see the Lord, amen. You're going to see Him in every area of your life, every area of your life. Um, I want to share just a little bit of this personally for me. Uh, I, I think you've heard me say this before, but one of my spiritual gifts that I got, not from Jesus, but from the enemy, is a spiritual gift of whining, belly aching, and negativity. Anybody else? I'm a really good whiner. Uh, If you gave away Sunday school awards or had stars on the chalkboard, I'd have a lot of them, okay? But I've been trying really hard lately. Man, I've been trying so hard because, you know... I just get to where I let all these things bother me from, from vehicles to home and everything else. And you start looking at all these different things that happen. And man, this is broke down and that's messing up and this is not doing right and all that. And it's just like, man, it's overwhelming. You're like, my oh, goodness, what in the world? So I want to give you just two simple examples today where the Lord just blessed me when I chose to finally try to be positive and be thankful and, and really look for things and look for ways God's given us to be uh, blessed. Amen? Well, one of them, man, we we bought our home, we went into evangelism. And I've never seen this before, but if you're a plumber here, or have done any plumbing ever in your life, you'll kind of get this. But most toilets, when you go up to them, there's a... There's the tank seated on the back of the toilet, right? And then there's a supply line, a water line going up that toilet tank, right? And so we had a toilet in our house. It's running. It's so bad I had to turn the water off. And I began to look at it because it's no big deal, man. I've done some plumbing. In fact, John Dunn Plumbing Company, if you all know him, that's my uncle, my dad's brother. He trained me a little bit. And I'm like, well, no big deal, $20 bill, right? So I go and I start looking. And I'm like, well, what in the world? There's no way. The supply line's coming through. this porcelain side of the toilet coming in. There's no tank where well, there is a tank, but the bolts are on the inside, too. And the toilet goes, all we get to the wall. So I'm like, I'm going to have to take that toilet up to get to that supply line and get to that water valve in the tank, the tank valve. Well, listen, I'm aggravated. Got my whole other list of stuff I've been mad about already about the house and everything, everything, right? Not counting any blessings. The fact I'm not homeless. I've got a home and through COVID and all that garbage right there, my my notes paid. Amen. I need to be praising God, but yet I'm mad. My son can testify of this and I've got all this list of all this negativity. Well, somewhere or another I start going. And, and I'm like, well, man, there's got to be a way, and I search on Google. How many of y'all can praise God for Google? There's not a whole lot we can praise God about on smart devices, but Google's okay, all right? Here's my, here's my Google search. And I accidentally typed something wrong, as Jesus would have it, not look. We don't believe in look. And in that, there's a guy on there with Kohler, and this is a Kohler toilet with a Kohler tank valve. And I didn't know this. Some of you guys may know this, but in those new type valves in the back, there is a diaphragm on the top, you know, where it's not the ball valve, but the flat valve that rises up on that, that tank valve. Anyway, there's a, valve, a diaphragm up there. You just take and push down and squeeze up, and that valve comes out, and you can turn that water on and backflow it, put the diaphragm back in if there's no other, you know, trash or anything in there, and guess what? It fixed it for free. And, man, I'm telling you, now, every time I walk by that toilet, this is going to sound crazy, I'm like, man, I was a blessing. Because have you paid a plumber lately? It would have been $150 probably to get that toilet taken up, do, put a new tank valve, and they wouldn't charge me $20 for the tank valve. And I want them to stay in business. That's fine. But, man, I walk by that toilet, and I'm like, man, thank the Lord. Thank God. Let me give you one more, and I'll go on, okay? When we bought our house, I, I, I'm telling you, I thought I knocked a, And I still think I knocked a home run. Well, there's a garage outside, and it's got a lot of rotten wood. The garage door don't work, all this. And so in that time of negotiations, right? Counter offer, offer, counter offer. I was like, well, I'd like you, you know, the inspection's been done. You know, all that rotten wood, could y'all fix that? We don't want to fix that. I said, well, I'll tell you what. They had a refrigerator. Listen to this. They had a refrigerator in their house that it, it was quite a bit of money, I think. It's got a screen on it like that. It's that Samsung, have you seen it, Smart Hub? It's got a big old screen on it. Man, it's like a phone. And man, you can go in there and you put on Spotify and you just put worship list and you can have worship music playing right in there. You can be right now, I can go on my phone and see what's in my refrigerator. And all that stuff don't matter. I wouldn't have bought it. But I traded it for the rotten Wood. Amen? And I think, man, that's awesome. Well, guess what? Those refrigerators have an issue. Exhaust fan uh, or condenser fan, all these different things. I'm like, great. Well, mine starts making a noise. Garrett even sends me a video of it here a few weeks ago. I'm like, oh, man, why well, call Samsung? Well, there's nobody in your area that can work on those. You'll have to hire somebody, pay for it, and we'll reimburse you. And how many of y'all know that? What's that mean? You may not get reimbursed because guess what? There was a, a little bitty glitch in the system, and your guy drove up in a Ford and should have been in a Chevy, and so we just void the warranty, Right. I know it sounds goofy, but other stuff happens. All right, I'm going somewhere. Here we go. So I'm like, all right, no big deal. I call Northeast Appliance. They advertise on Christian Radio. I'm like, well, man, we'll get them there, and there's a $99 fee. I'm like, okay, no big deal, you know, not the end of the world. I'm trying to stay positive. Well, guess what? The refrigerator, and I knew it was tight, and the guy that we bought the house from told me they barely got it in there. It was real tight. Cannot get the refrigerator out professional plants guys can't get the refrigerator out of the slot so here I go need to walk by that toilet right because I was not walk it. I'm mad I'm not counting my many blessings I'm not seeing God anywhere involved in this I'm like what in the world nobody in the world has got this one of the most expensive refrigerators out of there I thought I made a home run on trader for some old rotten wood right man I'm thinking this is awesome And it's gonna be stuck there. We're gonna have a refrigerator to the side of it, and we're just gonna stare at that one because nobody can get it out. I'm gonna have to remove my cabinets or what. And so I process it four or five days. I whine about it here and there. And finally, I guess Friday morning, maybe I don't remember what day it was. I was like, I'm gonna figure this out. So I go and I get my mechanic tools. I got a big old pry bar. When I was a diesel mechanic, used to take it to use take 18-wheeler tires and get them and use it for tons of stuff, you know. I'm like, I'm gonna get that thing out of there. Doesn't do something. So I start out and I'm trying to be smart and I'm asking God, I've been praying about it literally, pray about everything. Amen. I'm like, God, help me figure it out. And so if I go to the back, you know, and our backsplash is ceramic tile or some sort. And so I go to the back of the refrigerator and I'm just touching the wall, but that tiles connected to the same wall I'm prying on, right? Well, I do that and a piece of granite or or grout pops out. And I'm like, well, no, that ain't going to be the way. So anyway, next thing you know, I finally get down on the floor, find a slot underneath that refrigerator, take that big pry bar, get against my wall, scar my wall up, but oh well. And I finally get myself into a place on a wall where I'm able to take both my legs and give it all I got. And I moved it and got it out. And so now I walk by the toilet and I count a blessing. I walk by the refrigerator and thank God the professionals couldn't get out, but the country boy got it out, amen? And I said all that goofiness to say, man, we do need to open our eyes. And if we really open our eyes spiritually, we can see how good he is. All around us, can't we? Stuff way more than a toilet or a refrigerator or whatever. Man, we can see how good he is, amen? All around us. Man, there are so many things out there. I bet you can look right in your own family, your house, maybe your spouse, maybe your children, and you'll see, boy, God's good, isn't He? He's so good. Yeah, there's lots of terrible things. We all have a long list from health to all the other toilets and refrigerators and everything else, right? But man, if we really open our eyes, we'll see, man, He is so good. He's so good. And then last of all this morning, we see the personal invitation to taste. We see the personal invitation of satisfaction. We see the personal invitation to see. And then last and most importantly, we see the personal invitation to eternal life, I believe. He says, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. I love how the psalmist, of course, under God's inspiration, writes that. Who takes refuge in Him. No, not satisfaction, Not joy. All those things are true. But more important than all that, how blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Shelter. Runs from the storm. Runs from the curse of sin. And takes refuge in Him. Amen? Do you not see that personal invitation for eternal life? To take refuge in the Lord. Two more scriptures and I'm going to close. Listen to this. John chapter 4 verse 13 through 14. John chapter 4, 13 through 14, as we think about this point of this personal invitation to take refuge in the Lord. This is Jesus again, John chapter 4, verse 13. He says, everyone who drinks of this water, remember this is the woman at the well. And this is what he tells her. Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst But the water that I will give Him will become in Him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Isn't it so beautiful how Scripture comes together? Amen? We see that personal invitation for refuge, for eternal life. Now listen, John chapter 6, verse 53 through verse 58, and then I'm going to close. Jesus again says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, think about this whole message and how this applies. "...unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in yourself. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him." As a living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, and he also lives because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the Father's ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. And I love what Jesus quoted in Matthew chapter 4 when he began to rebuke the devil when he was tempted in the wilderness. Remember that? He quoted Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. He says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word of the Father. And so this sounds like just some crazy, crafty message about eating and not eating and how to eat and how to not eat, but it's all through the Word of God, example after example, where God is putting salvation in a way illustrated that we can understand it. Amen. That we need to know we can partake of Him. It's more than just religion. it's more than just words, but, but we could truly partake like simple the first example of John 4 of taking a glass of water and drinking it, and then the bread partaking of it and eating it. That's simple today isn't it? So today, if you've never acted or responded to this personal invitation for eternal life, to take refuge in Jesus. Man, today would be an awesome day to do that. Today would be an awesome day to let go of religion and self-help and works or whatever you're hanging on to and clinging on to. Whatever it is you're taking refuge in. Man, would you take refuge in Jesus today? Would you come and allow Him to be your Savior today and your Lord? Would you do that? Would you put your faith in Him today? And child of God, man, simple question for us today is... How are our eating habits spiritually? If we're tasting and seeing how good he is, man, we're going to be satisfied. We're going to have joy, fulfillment. Life won't impact us the way the devil intends it to. Amen? We'll be more effective in the call that God's got on our life and the kingdom work he's called us to. Amen? Amen?